Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show, coming to you from Fat Matt's Rib Shack in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, Gavin, I've got Matt Sherry with me and a pair of Ollies. Hunter and Wilson, hello boys, how are we doing? Anyone? Just anyone? <laughs> yeah, right. okay. yeah. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to Fat Matt's Rib Shack. The most British podcast in Trevor. Dave Grimble's here as well. Say hello, David. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Grim- Grimble, how are your ribs? A, B, C, delightful. <laughs> Dave Grimble is easily one of my favourite human beings. Show, yeah, <laughs> it's like, we need to get, there's like a little attachment for this recorder that could add an extra mic on. I think we just need to do that and have the other one pointing at Grimble. Cause there's a little attachment for an extra mic. My voice is an absolute wreck because we went to... Uh, what's your problem? <laughs> what, Grimble? You're going to talk, talking to the microphone. Come on. He's a bit Carl Pilkington, isn't he? <laughs> he really is. We need to get him on air more, lots, lots more. Right, so we're on Wednesday afternoon in Atlanta. Um, we are bringing our second podcast of the week. We're doing a bit of a coaches special with this one. So on Tuesday, we spoke with Super Bowl winning head coach, Brian Billick. We spoke with Super Bowl winning defensive line coach with that same Ravens team, Mike Smith. His and brother-in-law also, as well. As we discovered later, brother-in-law. That was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, what incredible. a revelation. Uh, we spoke with, we've got, uh, so Mike Smith, Brian Billick. Sky Sports is Rob Ryan. And Sky Sports, Rob Ryan. And uh, now the new linebackers coach of Washington is Rob, Rob Ryan. Ryan is. Yeah, so yeah. yesterday, yeah. before we started chatting to him on the mic, I was chatting to him for about 15 minutes, and I was like, so are you enjoying the TV stuff now, or do you want to get back in? And he's like, you know, I love the coaching, I love the grind, but I just don't think I'm ever going to get back in. And then 24 hours 20 later. <laughs> <laughs> he abs- Massive line. He absolutely played you, didn't he? Yes, yeah, so I'm phoning him in the off-season for something separate, and I'm just going to say, hi, Rob, I'm the guy that you'll massively lie to. Look at eye to eye. Of course, also a Super Bowl-winning coach as well. Yeah, with the Patriots. Yeah, so... There are a lot of rings. A lot, a lot of, of rings. rings. A lot of rings on this show. We've also, in the last couple There's of days, of spoken rings, with Jermichael Finley, Jay Ajayi, Akbar Bajabia Miller. Uh, I, I'm trying Colin to remember Wolf. all of them. Colin Wolf Josh was great. Josh Jacobs, first round. Oh, he was Can you put the mic? Like, you've got to eat Josh that. Jacobs. Oh, you're the worst. You London Fletcher. London Fletcher. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, my new best friend, Diamond, Diamond Dallas Page. Ryan Leaf. Yeah, right. Who was, that other, who was the guy, the baseball guy that we spoke to today? That was great. Oh, he the was fantastic. Sport, yeah. Josh, uh, Josh Dotty. Oh, that's the guy I played Broly. golf with. In, it's, yeah. uh, it's close to that. Josh, Josh, why have I forgotten it? We'll remember it and we'll have it on at later dates. We spoke to him. He played both uh, bu- uh, baseball for the Marlins and played quarterback. Josh, Josh Booty. Josh Booty, that's it. And played quarterback for the, uh, for the Browns as well. He's got it. He's got it. And so he tells us all about I've got Kyler tell, Murray. I've got to tell you this. He's got a nephew who plays high school quarterback in San Antonio, and he's going to be like a really high pick, and he's co- like highly recruited, and he's called Chase Booty. <laughs> Chase Moody. Booty. Chase Booty. <laughs> oh, that is outstanding. That is absolutely outstanding. Did he know that this was funny? Yeah. <laughs> no, you'll, you'll never forget that day, will you? It's like, damn did you say to him, what was your brother slash sister thinking? <laughs> I'm, well, I play golf with them in the UK next year, so I'll ask him there. 
We will be making friends out on Radio Row today. It's been a real joy. It's been a really fun couple of days. Went to opening night last night. Opening night. Opening night. Opening night. I just wanted to do the. the it also wasn't last again. night. No, it was two opening night was two nights ago. We went to a media party today. last night where. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's ever heard of Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very famous German chef who was big in America, a bit like the US Gordon Ramsay. And he was there serving as duck, but the food was absolutely exceptional. We all really enjoyed it, except for the man who loves food more than anybody else in this group. Will, how did you find Wolfgang's food? I didn't eat anything at the party apart why was from that, one peach cobbler. He disappeared. Yeah. He basically did a meat. Uh, I pulled an ollie. I know I didn't pull an ollie anywhere near to the level that oh, I yeah, pulled yeah, an ollie yeah, yeah, last yeah. year. But I uh, I did imbibe and enjoy myself at the media party. Uh, I was networking. I'm going to call it. I was running around talking to anyone that would talk to me, essentially. But I went and watched a sea lion show. Uh, I went on a conveyor belt, threw some fish. I saw a man. What did you think of the aquarium? Badly. I loved it. I was having a whale of a time. I've been I to the best. The best. You were having a whale of a time, were you? Oh, <laughs> I think that was the best media party. We've, the worst we've part is to. he didn't mean that. No, no he, he didn't. Like he he really didn't. I I've been to better aquariums, and I love an aquarium. Been to way better. Aquariums. I'm always telling people that about you, Boston Ollie. Ollie aquarium loves an aquarium. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, Boston but, Aquarium is. Next level, better than the JFK Museum, which essentially is the most airbrushed version of history <laughs> that I've ever seen. We uh, we uh, we ended up um, when we when we first arrived at the party. I'm really struggling here. When we first arrived at the party, we got a drink and we entered, and, and the, there was a main room with a live band on, where a lot of the food was. And off to the left, there was one of the tanks. And in that tank were two people with sign, like scuba diving, with signs that said "Welcome to the media party." And we're like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." And then out of nowhere, the biggest whale shark that you have just ever laid eyes on just kind of swam right across in front of you, and it was both terrifying and amazing at the same time. Did you see the dolphins? I didn't see. Them. So I saw the beluga whales. Dolphins were a bit sad, weren't they, Grimble? Oh, it, um, it, um, I'm not a fan of. <laughs> no, wait, wait. I like dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they should be in their natural habitat. Okay. I, I um, yeah. After my third Bud Light Platinum, I got a bit emotional looking at the dolphins. Um, but hopefully they're happy inside. Yeah, but this was the only way to ever get the dolphins at the Super Bowl, wasn't it? Hey, dropping dives. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any dolphins on? Have we had? I feel like we talked about the dolphins with somebody. The Jai. Uh, Jai's a formal one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess we may have. You, the way you skillfully with Jai Jai danced around the fact that uh, the Adam Gay situation was like clearly it wasn't a situation you were particularly happy in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. Uh, there's still loads of stuff going up on social, etc. As well, of course, Acridine at Talk Sport on I our mean, Instagram stories. There there's are loads some of things going up on socials. Maybe not everything that should potentially go up on socials but that's a conversation probably not to have on a microphone right now wow i don't know what direction you're going in with this but the washing machine works doesn't it well in the apartment <laughs> the washing machine does work in the apartment <laughs> i know because i was getting sick off a towel <laughs> i'm sorry man was sick last night as well yeah i was yeah gribble Dang were you this. sick last night you stayed out late didn't you uh, no, I used to be sick quite a lot, actually, with alcohol. And then my cousin came up to me once and was like, charcoal. I was like, what? Charcoal tablets, if you're sick on alcohol, it's the future. I've only been sick twice since I started taking charcoal so, tablets. So the dorm work. So, so, but I drink quite a lot and get emotional about dolphins. 
<laughs> and then um, the charcoal. Charcoal's the future, people. Why have we only brought four microphones? Why is he not on one constantly? <laughs> you are incredible. <laughs> I love you so much, David wow. Grimble. Right, so... I feel like this is what happened with Ricky Gervais when they found Pilkin. We'll go through the I mean, you say process. found Pilkington. He was their producer at XFM. He was in charge. Yeah, but the he founder was a social media guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Grimble, you might, be, you might have become a full-time permanent member of this podcast, this team. You're coming every year from here on out. I think that the two of you are, are in the team now, Ollie Wilson and, uh, and Dave Grimble. We are expanding our empire of, uh, of friends that we can share Airbnbs with because we desperately need to. Move on from some of our old friends and uh, find some new ones. Quick to drop them. Quick to drop them. I've had a great day. I also particularly enjoyed being, uh, having somebody spot me on the background of Sky, flipping a bottle in my hand. Brilliant. Pretty much the smoothest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I've had a pretty good day too. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, yeah. mate. Yeah, good day. <laughs> it's just been free. Like, everything pretty much is free. Aside from coming to this delicious barbecue place we should probably talk about fat mats yeah, everything's uh, like Pilgrim. me and grimble at the stadium free food and drink alcoholic beverages coming out of the wazoo last night free food and drink it's just yeah this is really making people oh. back at home love <laughs> sorry yeah it is cold so. really cold <laughs> yeah i bet it's lovely and warm in england and the thing you know god those poos uh, they've had a massive snowfall i think today or so in some places i Great. feel like ollie wilson's a bad addition he's, he's very braggy isn't he <laughs> <laughs> this is not what this show's about this <laughs> is it's just great Take just having just having a great time right should we get into the interviews coming up a bit later we'll have the latest odds with red zone ahead of the weekend look at some of the prop bets that you can get involved in on their website uh, coming up three coaches and former coaches and well I would have said three former coaches but one of them because he likes about Sherry is now back to being a current coach <laughs> again <laughs> and, 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 do you know do you think you've built a genuine rapport with somebody I really thought that I had and then I saw that tweet and I was like you look me in the eye and lied Rob I'm going to tell him save tomorrow I'm going to tell him you're going to look him just He's in the eye He's a big guy though not not oh no! I wouldn't ever look at any other parts of his body. Just only in his in eyes. The, only, only in the eyes. <laughs> well, that's a niche reference that's only going to be got by the five people at this table. But I'm really glad that we got it in there anyway. So uh, let's start off with defensive coordinator of the uh, uh, for, no former head coach. He's not the defensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anymore. But former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, former defensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and a delightful gentleman as well, Mike Smith. Back down on Radio Row, delighted to say that we have Mike Smith joining us, former Atlanta head coach, Super Bowl winner. In fact, we're going to be speaking with Coach uh, Billick later today, so a very good friend of yours. And uh, we're also joined by, uh, by John Gordon, best-selling author. Gents, thank you so much for coming out and t- spending time with us. Oh, glad to be here this Great morning. to see you. Yeah. And you spent plenty of years here at Atlanta, Mike. What's it like being here now, seeing the Super Bowl in town in this amazing new stadium and everything they've kind of achieved here? Oh, I think it's uh, a beautiful venue that the game is going to be played on this weekend and of course uh you know the the downtown area is bustling here in atlanta and it's it's been growing and growing and growing uh it's changed quite a bit since my time in uh in atlanta the winningest head coach in atlanta falcons history yeah. have you know so uh <laughs> i first of all just you finished this season with the tampa bay buccaneers and from what i understand you've said that's you done now you don't want to go back into coaching yes i am uh going to turn my coaching clock off and uh i'm going to do some other endeavors and i'm looking forward to it uh 
Um, you know, I spent, a time, I spent a year off earlier in my career, and that's when I had an opportunity to, to write this book with John Gordon. Uh, looking forward to dabbling in, into that again and spending some time uh, with, with my family. You know, and when you're on a coaching clock, it's a completely different, uh, it's a completely different life. Does, does it become a, a little bit of a grind by the end? I mean, it, it, the, the hours and everything else, it strikes me as just an insane way to, to live your life. Obviously, it's a, a very, very well-paid profession, but ultimately you, you're missing out on a lot of personal stuff as well. Uh, you do, and if you get paid by the hour over your whole entire coaching <laughs> career, uh, it may not work out to be as, as advantageous to the bank account. Uh, you know, and, and, and you start as a, as a young coach, and you're coaching at the collegiate level, and... Uh, uh, you know, you, you, you've done it a long time, and uh, it does wear on your body. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, we've spent hours and hours and hours watching film. Uh, you go through withdrawal. I can tell you that the fir- for the first few weeks when you're when you know you're not going to do it again. But uh, I'm looking forward to the other opportunities and what's out there. Fantastic. And uh, about the book. You win in the locker room first, John. Uh, to explain, best-selling author, but also a motivational speaker. Work with Coach McVeigh, who we were hearing from last night. So, tell us a bit about the book and what what it is you guys are doing. Well, Mike and I knew each other in Jacksonville, and so I spoke to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then Mike became the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, and he brought me there to speak to the team. And then every year I would come speak because they started having success. I said, "Oh, I'll bring you back." And then we decided to write this book because we would always talk about the seven C's to building a great team. And we said, okay, let's share this message now with other coaches. And so now we've literally been sharing this message with all these coaches and all these leaders, really, around the country and around the world. And it's amazing how many different coaches are using this book. We have, we have coaches in, in uh, rugby in, in England that are using this book. In Ireland, uh, Australian Rules Football used this book. The Richmond Football Club won the championship after using this book. Uh, Sean McVay used it and those seven C's as he built his culture early on when he became the head coach. The Los Angeles Dodgers, same thing. And I also worked with Clemson football for the past seven years. Who they've, been, the they've, they've been quite good in that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so these principles really work. And if you have a great leader that takes these principles forward, uh, they're going to have success. So it's been a joy to really work with Mike on this. And, and the collaboration has been a lot of fun with his experience. I mean, you can't buy this experience. And then to be able to share it with others, it's incredible. Mike, I want to ask you about the, the first C is culture. And it... I've written a lot about head coaching in the NFL over the last couple of years and it feels to me like that whole culture program leader is becoming a little bit of a dying breed in football at the moment. It feels like you have specialists on sides of the ball and then the, everything else goes on around. Do you, do you feel that? I feel like there are less true head coaches now than maybe there were 20 years ago. That may be very true uh, in terms of the, you know, the game has changed. The size of coaching staffs have changed in, in the National Football League. Uh, you know, there's times that uh, there were nine guys on a coaching staff, uh, 12 guys, and it's just gone and it's, it's continued to grow upwards of 23, 24, 20, 25. Uh, to be a head coach, you've got to be able to connect with all and that's one of the C's that we talk about in the book that you have to be able to connect with everyone in the organization Uh, with that in mind you've got to make sure that everyone knows that you care for everyone in the in in the building as well and when I came to Atlanta that was one of the things I wanted to make sure that we were going to change the culture it had not been an organization that had back-to-back winning seasons 
uh, we put five in a you know five in a row together at, at at one stretch, and we did that by changing the culture, and we made it a culture of winning, and we made it a collaborative culture that we let everyone know that we care about one another. And I think what Matt was saying, and you've actually seen it, I guess, with Dan Quinn in Atlanta, uh, who's been in charge the last few years, but actually the fact that now the focus appears to be on, right, we want to get an exciting young offensive mind, or we want to switch to a defensive coach, and, and it's almost that idea of take a coordinator who's good at their job and give them that chance at head coaching, rather than maybe focusing on the things that make somebody a great head coach rather than a coordinator. Yes, in the hiring cycle in the, in the National Football League and collegiate football, it changes, uh, and it is cyclical, and right now, the last couple of hiring cycles, it has been just as you described. We're going to take the next, you know, the next young coordinator on the offensive side of the football to to lead our, you know, to lead our football team. Uh, I think it will eventually swing back. The pendul- the pendulum goes back and forth. But these young guys that have come in, they've done a fantastic job. Sean McVay has done a great job. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, in this game that we're going to be watching this weekend on Sunday, you have. Coach Bill Belichick and the success that he has had. And I'd, I spoke to Aaron Cromer, the, the run game coordinator and all-line coach for the Rams, and said I was surprised he wasn't mentioned as a potential head coaching candidate as well. How much of getting those head one of those 32 jobs now is as much about the PR campaign that surrounds you as it is about what you do? Because it, it just feels like there are, there are guys coaching position groups who have been around a long time and then someone like Vic Fangio finally got his chance who maybe should have been given an opportunity before they have been. Oh, there's no doubt about Vic Fangio. Vic's uh, resume speaks for itself. I'm so happy that he's getting an opportunity to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. He's been ultra successful as a defensive coordinator Uh, this has become a quarterback driven league Uh, there's no doubt about that and I think when you the guys that work with the quarterback if you have that relationship you have a better opportunity right now in the hiring cycles to have a chance to be a head football coach I think it's play it plays out in most of the hires over the last couple of hiring cycles. So you're a defensive-minded guy. We've obviously got a pretty big game coming up on Sunday. Which, which, by the way, is started off with the highest over-under line in Super Bowl history. Yeah. So maybe not a game for the defensive guys. <laughs> no, it, this season hasn't been at <laughs> certain times. What is the over-under? Uh, it was 56 and a half, I think, when I saw it the other day. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think you'll be under that. But um, I agree. What would you? Uh, what would your defensive coach would say that? <laughs> what, what would your game plans be for, for for both offenses? Well, I think the thing that the that the Rams have done so well is that they've controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, and at the core of it, the game is still about winning the line of scrimmage. And their offensive line has done a great job all season long. Doesn't matter if it's been. Gurley or, or C.J. Anderson back there running the football. They Both those guys have run ex- extremely well. And by the way, last week, uh, Josh McDaniels and Coach Belichick did a great job in doing their thing and running the ball. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the one thing I think that New England has the ability to be almost like a chameleon, change their colors yeah. uh, very easily. And that's one of the great things that I think Coach Belichick and Tom Brady do. If they're going, if you're going to stop the run, they're going to be able to spread you out and pat and, th- and throw the football. So it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be based on how well the Rams run the football, and I really think it's going to be how well the. <clears throat> 
protection protection is of Tom Brady because if you give Tom Brady time he's going to cut you up one thing the Patriots have done from mid-season really that seems to have turned their year around is started running these amoeba fr- fronts particularly on third down and you're seeing you saw it from the Ravens this year yeah, well, yeah. did it really successfully like and, and there's a lot of confusion in, I mean the, the Chiefs O-line interior look confused as anything with all the stunts and you've got Kyle Van Noy dropping and coming in how difficult is that to coach I remember I th- I feel like you guys had a coordinator whose name has escaped my attention when you were in Atlanta and he was great at disguising coverages and remember one game you got Peyton Manning a couple of times oh yes uh, on a Monday night game yeah we got Peyton Mike Nolan Mike Nolan that's Mike the Nolan. name <laughs> I, I was going to say I was going to say Mike has a better memory yeah. than you I was going to say Mike <laughs> Smith and I'm thinking I'm talking to Mike, Mike Smith it's yeah. a different Mike but yeah, Mike. H- how difficult is that to coach because you have to I mean there's a lot of risk in it if, if the guys don't execute it yes you, when you're hey, when you're not static uh, there is a chance for somebody being out of their gap in the run game. There's no doubt about it. But there's certain downs and distances in terms of tendencies that you know that the ball's going to be going to be thrown. And I think last week the Patriots did a great job early in the game. I don't know if you guys remember, but third and five is not a rundown. Yeah. That's what they did. They ran they ran the football, and uh, you know they caught the Chiefs um, by surprise in a number of early third down situations. I've got to ask about Tampa Bay. They're coming over to the UK this year. We're all super excited to see what Jameis Winston can achieve with Bruce Arians. It feels like an absolute match made in heaven, but you were there and saw the talent they had there. Do you think that that Coach Arians can go in there and have reasonably instant success in Tampa Bay? Well, I think, uh, you know, Tampa Bay's offense last year was very good. Our defense was was not. Uh, You know, I didn't do a good enough job, obviously, to, to help the football team on the defensive on the defensive side but uh they do have some very talented players on the offensive side uh, and you know it it will be interesting to see how uh, bruce puts his spin on on that football team would you focus on defense maybe in the draft then trying to find some playmakers there i think that uh obviously they they're more set on the offensive side than they are on the defensive side i can't say which way, which direction they're going to go <laughs> they score a lot of points they may want to con- try to just outscore people uh, and I want to ask you because uh, I said we'll be speaking with Coach Billick a little bit later on. Uh, the uh, this is I'm going to do. I'm going to try and make a ridiculous radio link here. So John's with us, who works with Dabo Sweeney of Clemson Football. Their quarterback Trevor Lawrence just had an unbelievable national championship game. And guess what pants he wears, Matt Sherry? I'm going to guess X Tech. They are the X Tech pants. Yeah, <laughs> they are. In in fact, uh, Trevor started wearing them at, in high school at Cartersville High School, right, we, right outside of. We, we we visited him in Cartersville last year for a piece in the magazine that we do. Oh, is that yeah, right? Yeah, it well, was incredible. Yeah, Cartersville is just 45 miles north yeah. uh, here, but you know, X Tech pads is not just here in the United States. Uh, over in over in the UK, the Football American distributor, uh, you can get the X Tech pads, and you can go online to X Tech pads on Instagram, or you can go to X Tech pads dot com. Uh, and I first became aware of X Tech pads in my time in Atlanta, and Bob Broderick and his and his team came in and did a demonstration of the pads, and it just blows you away how they are able to protect you in the in the shoulders. And we've spent thousands and millions of dollars about player safety in American football, as you guys know. And we talk about concussions, the headwear that we wear, we test them. We don't test for shoulder pads. We need to make sure that we start doing that to make it safer for our players. And I know this, that the foam that we have in the X-Tech pads, the XRD, 
is a far and above better than any foam out there. And I'm hoping that the NFL will start testing pads just like they yeah. do uh, shoulders and sho- or helmets and uh, footwear. Because, yeah. I mean, we've seen it, shoulder injuries, big, like, big name players going down with those and, yeah. and having real problems. So, yeah, I th- it's amazing how much we focus on one part of it where injuries yeah. can be prevented yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, Coach Smith, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming out to right. speak with us. And uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Atlanta, a city that I'm pretty sure you know <laughs> well. I do. I'm looking forward to going back to a couple of restaurants to get, uh, to get my normal. Any recommendations? Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're desperately looking for somewhere. I'm more out of the, out outside of downtown. You guys are on your own here in town. I didn't get <laughs> Have a good one. Thank you so much. Cheers, Mike. Back on Radio Road, delighted to say the Super Bowl winning head coach, Mr. Brian Billick, has joined us. Very good afternoon, you man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You guys are a long way from home. Hey, we're. Yeah. You were just telling us, and I've never. We've had you on the phone before. We've had you on Radio Row before, but yet I never knew that you come over to London for Wimbledon. Love it. Love it. My wife and I are huge tennis fans. Love going to the Opens. Been to all of them except the Aussie Open, because uh, Australian Open, because it's during the season, so I can never get away. That'll end pretty quick. I'm about ready to be done here, I think. But it, it, it uh, we love it. The favorite thing to, and just, it, just the, the atmosphere. I love the fact that. You know, the intimacy of the French Open versus just the history of Wimbledon. And then you go to the U.S. Open and it's no holds bar. I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy deal. Uh, we, we absolutely What a shock it. is the American yeah, uh, yeah, tournament yeah. that is no holds barred. Okay, well, I, I want to ask you, this game this weekend then, all the talk this week, well, not all of it, but a lot of it has been about what Tom Brady is still achieving at 41 years old. I think there is an interesting parallel there between the likes of Roger Federer, who can go into 38, 39 years old and still be winning major singles tournaments and I think it's amazing the way that athletes have treated their bodies nowadays that they can, they can actually achieve this and, and the common thread between those athletes and any of the great athletes that have been able to perpetuate their careers is that the guys that I've had, I had Shannon Sharp again mm-hmm. played well into his late 30s was absolutely phobic about how he ate when he ate uh, I mean he was just so methodical about what he did and, and I think that's a fair analysis to compare Federer to Brady. Because how many times do you see Roger Federer in the course of a game and things have maybe turned a little way and you go, okay, he's going to snatch it back right here. He's given this guy a little bit of hope and now he's just going to just, wherever he finds that, turns it on and just dashes. It's one thing to totally beat an opponent, but to give him that little bit of hope and then dash it away. And Tom Brady, I mean, what on a football field has Tom Brady not seen? or not done. And that's the challenge for the Rams. No matter how well you play, no matter how far up you might get, this is Tom Brady and a group that they can draw back, just go back to that last Super Bowl against Atlanta, where it's down to three touchdowns, down to, hey, we're okay. We're okay. We know how to we know how to work our way out of it. Yeah, but Brady, I mean, Brady is almost a microcosm of what the Patriots have been this season, because they Similar to what you're saying with Brady there, they gave a lot of people a lot of hope this year that maybe the dynasty was coming to an end and then we're right back here with them in the Super Bowl. I, I feel like second half of the season, this switch on defence, these amoeba fronts and the, the added aggression has, has really made a big difference. I wonder, is it, from a coaching perspective, are you seeing a, a different Patriots defence on season? Yeah, I, the, the hallmark of any Patriot team, and you give Bill Belichick a great deal of credit for this, their ability to morph themselves offensively and defensively to whatever it takes to win the game. You saw that with uh, with the Kansas City game. They were we're going to run the ball forty times because mm-hmm. we think that's the way it's going to win. 
the week before or this week, they may go, well, we're going to throw it 50 times. We're not even going to try to run because that front of the, uh, of the Rams. Their ability to move themselves literally from week to week, half to half, and make that transition. The same thing defensively. we got to be a four-man front with zone behind it. Granted, next week we're going to be a three-man front, and we're going to blitz every down. I mean, they change. They can change themselves. Uh, that comes from the strategies that they've put together, the players, the intelligent players. They've set the structure for that. So the players are used to coming in in a given week and going, Oh, okay. So we're gonna. I did this last week. Oh, now we're gonna do this this week. That's not easy to do with players, but they've set up that culture and that structure where they can get that done. I don't get why we didn't know this was gonna happen with Bill Belichick and everyone's talking about how it's 19 years since he signed a few years ago, and, and all the people at the time he said it was a terrible decision. But we watched that two Bills documentary last year, the 30 for 30, and the one thing that really stood out for me was when he's the defensive coordinator of the Giants, and they had that Super Bowl run where they came out against. I think it was the Bears first, and they played all nickel, and then they came out against the 49ers the next week and completely changed the system again and managed to shut down to the best teams in the NFL and we probably should have seen it then and gone yeah this guy's probably a genius and we're going to have to and watch as out you for prepare him. for that the difficult thing is okay what do I prepare my players for <laughs> is it that big front uh, and if, I, if I'm playing New England uh, defensively alright do, do I account for the run do I, I mean you, gotta, you have that balance every week but teams typically have tendencies that say, okay, this is what they are, you know, to use a Belichicking, we're going to stop what you do best. Which I always love because it's like, okay, Belichick stops what you do best compared to the rest of us that we're, all, I guess, covering the decoys, you know. <laughs> we, we, that never occurred to us to do that. But, but they really do, you know, identifying what it is you think they're going to do to you is somewhat of a guess. Yep. And, and I mean, have you ever seen another coaching staff who've been able to do that consistently over a period of time we've mentioned everybody mentions the periods are a game plan team the morph week to week i mean there is a reason that they're the only team still doing it i guess yeah you, you don't we'll never see the likes of this again it's just you know people equate it to the bill russell and celtic run in the nba which is obviously it's easier to get championships more there repeat because of the field and whatever in the nfl we'll never see the likes of this again well, one, one thing I left last year's game thinking is people always talk at the Super Bowl about, you know, you give Bill Belichick two weeks to prepare. Based on how close these games have always been, my argument now is, in reality, the extra week allows the other coach to maybe catch up. I feel like if the Super Bowl was a week after the game, maybe the... Because the, it's weird no question. that they're, they're always close games. No question. You know, normally when you do a game scout, you're going to draw on three, four, maybe five games. To put it in the computers and see what the tendencies are, and you'll use the analytics and all the things that we use now, and it's gotten more and more enhanced that way. But for this Super Bowl, with that extra week, I guarantee you they've gone back an entire season. They've gone back to previous seasons and matched up, okay, here's a team two or three years ago that fits the profile of what we're doing now, and this is what the Patriots did. So now you got to be careful of that because you can kill yourself, you know, paralysis by analysis. But there's so much more that you will access now to make those decisions, you're exactly right. Regular season-wise, the Patriots didn't actually play that well. There was there were times where you thought, okay, they're, they're on song, but they were getting by, but they were losing games as well. And then they hit the playoffs. And I don't know, do you think that perhaps that Bill Belichick and the rest of the team, they hold stuff back from the regular season so that come the playoffs, it's fresh, no one's seen it before? Or is it all 
that's what gonna that's what's gonna beat that team that week. That's a dangerous game to play because you may find out then we don't get to the playoffs because mm-hmm. we've held too much back. I think it's more to the fact that they understand the pacing of the season and late in the season how they need to play, and then the fact that they're going to get that bye and how to handle the bye, and then to come into the playoffs that way. I think again just that that institutional knowledge that they have. I mean, imagine the strength of to have the ability for Tom Brady, whatever it is the Rams come up with. Let's say Wade Phillips comes up with something a little bit different. First off, one on a football field is Tom Brady not seen. Secondly, whatever they do, you can just watch on a timeout. Watch Brady walk over and there's Belichick. And you can imagine the conversation being, hey, Bill, remember what the, remember what the Ravens did to us 25 years, 12 years ago? Remember what the Chargers <laughs> did uh, eight years ago? Remember 15 years ago what the uh, Carolina Panthers did? Oh, yeah, they did something like, okay, what did we do? We did that. Okay, and now they can adjust. But, but do you know what is funny about that is that we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers. We had Jermichael Finley on today. And there is some have suggested that he has a memory like that, but it's almost a negative for him because he sees something that he saw in a game four years ago and he happened to get intercepted when that person did that. So he goes safe with it almost. And then on the other side, if you've got Sean McVay who has this ridiculous memory for plays and this ridiculous memory so I think we could be seeing someone else who in situational football terms yeah. hopefully as he gets more experience could yeah, end up turning I, out like I'd that. always say that about young players one of the strengths as young players is they, did, they don't realize what they don't know you know that can, <laughs> that, that can be a strength sometimes until they actually live it Sean McVay's an outstanding coach you talk about having everybody's at what's he doing differently the fact of the matter is everybody's running the same place they really are Sean McVay has such a fine-tuned sense of this is what we do. The players have bought in. They communicate it in a very inventive, uh, 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 fluidless way uh, uh, to where it just flows, I should say. Uh, you know, it, and they're all buying in, okay? Uh, their passing game is very straightforward. I'm doing a bit on Playbook uh, for the network tomorrow where it's very the, their play-action passes and the three-level throws. They just variations of the theme. And they know where everybody is and how they're going to get there, and they're going to attack it different ways. So he's, it's not that he's doing anything new and inventive. It's just he's got the players totally buying in, and they understand and believe in what they're doing. I feel like he and Andy Reid over the last two to three years have done the best job of window dressing players in that, you know, I mean, the Rams are in 11 personnel on basically every player. Like, I mean, well, until the end of the season when yeah, suddenly it changed a little bit to they 12, went, yeah. Right. Get the 12s on two tight ends, let's yep. run that ball. And that's, that's one of the questions I was going to ask. How important are those tendencies? It's like the Patriots against the Chiefs, James White running the ball on third down, something they hadn't done all season. They did it three times, converted each time in the, on third down in that game. And we've seen the Rams do that as well. These, these are seemingly now the, the two best coaches at having that. Because when you call them players, these guys seem to have a longer-term picture as well of how it fits into the whole season. Yeah, you, you certainly, in your play calling have to have a sense of okay this is what they've seen and this is what i can counter it with you have to be very careful on two fronts one don't get away from something i always always counsel my coordinators we we, let's say we run the inside zone really really well one week and the next week they don't run it because well they're going to be prepared for that guys let's let's let make them show me that they can stop this play it worked really good last week okay so let's just don't talk ourselves out of it with chalkboard football the other thing is you can begin to drive yourself nuts. It's like a bad Abbott and, St- uh, Abbott and Costello routine of, well, I know they know that I know they know, but I know that, so I'm going to do it. So you can drive yourself nuts with that. I, I, I'm still convinced of all the Super Bowls that we've covered, and we've only, uh, like yourself, 
coach who's been time and time again. We've only done the last five, but half-time adjustments every single time have been such a defining factor of a game. I don't think he's even talked about that much. And actually, a lot of we hear a lot about, and you'll know how difficult that half-time is because you have the halftime show and it's much extended and you've got to keep the players warmed up but from a coaching perspective do you actually get that little bit of extra time to go right it does it changes everybody talk about team's ability to change at halftime and i'm not a big believer in that during the regular season such a short period of time you barely have time to come in use the restroom going okay what the hell just happened and you try to swarm something together and give the players something to hang their hats on it goes very very quick with that extended time now uh you do have a time one to keep the players mentally into it to make some more adjustments, and you plan for it. Okay, we're going to do this, and if this happens, here's how we'll adjust, and this is what we're going to present to the players. So you're, you're very right in bringing up the halftime at a Super Bowl is different, obviously, in terms of the way you approach with the players than during the regular season. One possibility that massively intrigues me with the Patriots' defensive game plan is everybody knows that McVay talks to Goff up until the 15-second point and it cuts off. Is it possible, and could we see the Patriots maybe look at doing this, to show him one thing, have the guys looking at the play clock, and essentially try and disguise before the snaps even started at that 15-second Absolutely, but they are very well positioned that Goff basically gets a structured call going in with that very thing in mind. Okay, we want to call this, but here are the checks. And they will carry as many as two and three different calls into a into a given situation. So this is what we want to run, but we're going to come up, and if all of a sudden you start to change, how many times do you see him step back and do the Halle Berry, Halle Berry, or whatever term they use <laughs> that are built in, that, that it's a good choice, by the way, uh, 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 but, but the, the players are going, oh, okay, so you're, based on what we're seeing, we're not going to do plan A, we're going to do plan B. And that, that takes a lot of orchestration. You, ha- you have to build that up, and they do it very, very well. Uh, now, for everything we've said, it means that the game this weekend is going to be fantastic. And we're enjoying the Super Bowl. We've seen that phenomenal stadium this afternoon. Yeah, it's going to be great to see it. So, I haven't been in it uh, yet. Have you not been in it? No. So we did a uh, Cowboys on Sunday. Uh, night, and that was, it's like a 9.25 yeah, the yeah. evening game last season. And it is spectacular. Oh, I can't wait it's to see it. unbelievable inside. And so with all that in mind, if you can get $300 off your second uh, tickets, then that? you probably do so. How many pounds is that? Uh, about well, with Brexit, it's about two. Oh, it's yeah. about three hundred pounds. Three moment. It's about three pounds uh, with Brexit. No. no, you go to whatever your ticket needs are. You go to SeatGeek.com. It's great fun during. Even if you're not looking for tickets, go to the SeatGeek.com app. The best thing about it is it gives you a rating on tickets, good buys, bad buys. Because as you know, with Super Bowl, it's when do I buy them? What's the deal now? What's it later? Right now, about twenty nine percent of the, uh, the uh, of the Patriot fans are ahead of about nine percent. Of the re- you want to get the best deal? Yeah. Go to SeatGeek.com. Look for a ticket on the Rams side because you're going to get a better deal. Um, and, and you use the promo code SB300. You're going to get $300 back on your purchase through SeatGeek. You're just a more informed fan when you get your tickets through SeatGeek. And we also sat down with uh, with Mike Smith earlier. And yeah. And who you know incredibly well. Yeah, obviously. my brother-in-law. He was there with, your, uh, with that... Uh, uh, with that Super Bowl winning team as well. But we talked about the X-Tech pads, which we've spoken to you about before, yeah. and now we've got distribution in the U.K. Yeah, you, you, you go through Football America, and we're in every NFL club, 300 colleges, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Notre Dame. The key is the XRD technology. It's the, it's the padding and the design 
that separates. And I'm gonna, I know it's a radio audience, but I want you to watch my guy here. It's uh, right, the, we need to film this. It's the dispersion. Because Bob, who is uh, always so good to us, is one of our favorites on radio. I think he's about to take an For the radio audience, hit. he's so putting a piece of the XRD wonderful. padding underneath his hand. He's putting another pad over the top, and I want you to watch what he does. Oh, my God. Bob, Bob, what are you doing, man? Do it, right, now can we put Ollie's hand in there and have you smash the helmet down on it? No, <laughs> no, you don't actually have to do it, buddy. It's, it's, and it's exactly. This oh, is, I'd have done it you know, well. we're trying to take the, the head out of the game. So it's all about the shoulder pads. The best testimony, I've got two grandsons. If they're going to play football, they're going to be in X-Tech pads. Just to, so, because you can, we'll be able to watch that video on our various Twitter handles and social media. But just to be clear what happened there. Bob just came over, put a piece of padding on the floor, another on top of his hand, and then smashed a full-size hard helmet onto it and is now shaking my hand with that same hand. What a grip that is as well. That is a manly handshake. Oh. Uh, coach, such a pleasure as always Glad to catch to do it, up guys. with you. Enjoy the I'll rest of your week. I'll have to look you up when I come over to the game. Yeah, 100%. Thanks, Thanks we'll do so it. much. All right, guys, thank you. Hello, Gabby Logan here and I'm pitch side at Welland FC where Suki and his mate Simon have arranged a kickabout to fundraise for sport relief. It's 11.47 on a Sunday. I think some of these players are a little worse for wear. But they're here, they've got their kit on, they're kicking against injustice and smashing poverty right out the box. They're still 2-0 down though. Oh, but would you look at that goal! You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sport Relief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by ACAST. I want to ask you a little bit about New England initially. You were there at the start of the run. Um, does it feel any different now to what it was like at the, at the start? Do you feel like there's, there's been a change that obviously you're on the outside now that you can see in Coach Belichick? Uh, not really, you know. So uh, look, I go way back. I, I went out to uh, as far back as I was at Tom Brady's workout at Michigan. Just me and Dick Rabine were the two representatives from New England, and I had the defensive players, and he had he had Brady and Aaron Shade on offense. So I go he, I go that far back, and then uh, you know Belichick's first four seasons uh, in New England when he was putting in the Patriot way, his style. And uh, it's amazing how long it's lasted. And obviously it's the blueprint that everybody, if they knew, would try to do it, you know, and, uh, and imitate it because it, it has been so, uh, so successful. But I haven't seen one change in, in the players they get. You know, they're all, they have core values. They, they look for these players with core values. And those values are smart, tough, competitive, selfless, hard work and football is important if they don't have one of those they don't they don't want them they, they just don't fit in to their system because they're going to demand everything out of these guys and especially as teammates you know and that's how they build a team they believe in team and they value that and and only that and and if if you're if you're a self selfish player or whatever it's just not going to work out there what did you think of brady on that first workout did you think I you thought I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't understand what Rabine sees in this guy. <laughs> but I tell you what, after being around him after that first year and, and watching him work out every day, uh, me and Eric Mancini were, uh, we had a bet that we would work out every day for 162 days straight, like a baseball season. 
Uh, so we did that, and the only two guys in there with me and Eric were Willie McGinnis and Tom Brady. And Brady made himself so strong and so much better. Once he got his chance, he was great and he was ready for it. And the weird thing about Brady is, even those young days when he wasn't doing so well, everybody followed him. He's just one of those guys where just everybody falls. And there's not one thing that's not genuine about Tom Brady. And uh, it's awesome to see. He's a great person. He's as down to earth as any professional athlete I've ever been around in my life. And I just want, love watching him just dominate the sport. And, and one of the things people always say that Belichick got lucky with him, but one of the things I think people ignore is that first year they had four quarterbacks on the death chart, which he's never done since, and they very rarely have three at this point. So even at that point, he must have seen, similar to what you did, some intangibles within him that, that he could work with down the line. Well, absolutely. And, and look, Belichick did his homework. He gave Dick Rabine the assignment of drafting the best quarterback from the fifth through the seventh round. Identify him, find out who he is, and we're going to draft the best one. So he put it in Dick Rabine's hands. And and Ernie Adams, who's a behind the scenes guy, who's Belichick's brain when you know when he's not when he's resting, Ernie's not. So uh, the the combination identified Tom Brady, who did have all the core values that they believe in, and then he got the got the thing. So it wasn't luck that he did identify Brady, but what was amazing is how passionate and you know and competitive Brady is to make himself stronger, to make himself better. He already had the big brain. Like, he's so intelligent. He loves football. He's so competitive. And then, uh, you know, obviously become the best quarterback he's ever played. You talked about the culture that Bill Belichick instilled within the organization from the first moment that you were there as well. Do you think that he always had this vision of how it wanted to be? Or was it something that has... um, come to him through little bits over time? Well, I, I tell you what, that's a great question. I think this. I think people don't realize he was coach of the year for the Browns You know, when they were 11-5. He built a great team there. The only thing that slowed that team up was they moved in the middle of the season. Like, it just killed them. Like, they were done. They knew they were moving and that was a hard thing to overcome. He couldn't, he couldn't overcome it and it was fired, you know, by Cleveland. Uh, that wasn't a good move by them. But he knew, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He had a vision. And to be quite honest with you, my first year, all Belichick wanted to do was identify the people that he wanted to be in his organization. So we were 5-11. and 11. We were not very good. We were so simple on defense. I was frustrated. I'm thinking, what is this guy? This guy's terrible. What is he doing? Uh, then the second year, he took the gloves off and let us compete more. But he had his core people around him. That included coaches. We ran off coaches, too, now. You know, so I've survived that cut, which was good. (laughs) And it ended up becoming an unbelievable thing to be a part of, to watch it. Because, look, that first team we beat the Rams, we weren't that talented. But we had a great team. And we knew exactly what we were going to do to win each week. And once that was identified, it was easy to follow the path. Because you had a bunch of winners, you had a bunch of teammates, and uh, and it was awesome to see. And it's been the same way ever since. I, I, I've watched since the second half of this season. I watched this Patriots defense, and it looks a little bit in some ways like like a Rob Ryan defense with the 
guys moving around the line of scrimmage, amoeba fronts and everything like that. And frankly, I think it's turned the season around a little bit. I wonder, you, you've you've coached that style of defence. How difficult is that to get into players? And also, you mentioned Belichick having these different guys within a staff. Is one of his biggest strengths that willingness to listen to other ideas as well? Yeah, I, th- I think I think this. I think he definitely is a good listener. You may not at the time know it, but he is taking it all in. Believe me, I had many a fight, uh, you know, over schematics and things, and I never won one of them my first year. And then second year, we played so many things that, including the forty-six defense, that I was bringing to the table that actually got in, you know, got used. And uh, I think once once you've established trust with them. Uh, you can you can compete on the same level. You can have a conversation on the same level, and uh, it was awesome to be a part of that. But the two big core characteristics that people don't realize what makes Belichick so successful and the Patriots so successful. If you had to just sum it up in two words, all right. The first one, uh, the the first one to me would be consistency, and then the second one would be multiplicity. Those two words mean so much to the Patriots, and they've had a, they've had a style of play. They they get certain people. They keep great coaches in the building as much as possible. I'm the only one dumb enough to leave for the Raiders, <laughs> but but that's the consistency part. How they identify players, how they work on situational football. No one works like they do in situational football. And every game, you see it last week with the Saints. Every game comes up and somebody blows something in situational football. These are the best of the business, the best coach in the business, and they constantly get beat in situational football. Not the Patriots. They don't do that. Save the one game in, in Miami, took a miracle. Okay? But. There's a rhyme and reason for everything they do. And then the multiplicity comes in when you have players that can have flexibility, you know, that can move from position to position and that can run different schemes each week. It's because they're smart, they're committed to, to winning. And that's how you – those two things, in my opinion, make the, make the Patriots successful. It feels like that multiplicity on the defense with those fronts and like Van Noy, guys like that, who really are versatile. What, what, are you, what do you see in that defense as it is right now with that in terms of how, t- how good a group do you think it is because of the way they're executing what is a very difficult scheme to actually get players to put together? Right. Well, I tell you what, they have to be especially good this week uh, because McFay does an amazing job of communicating with the quarterback, so it, they need to lie to, to McFay and the golf. Lie to them short by disguising coverages, by disguising your intentions, and then letting that clock run out, and now, now give him something post snap that he has to read, and that's where truly great defensive coaches take over, and that's what you're seeing with Belichick and the Patriots. I think I think they're doing a great job coming together. They understand the plan better than you do, and then they go out and execute. A lot of veteran guys as well on that defense. Yes, there is. Uh, you know, and uh, and you know what? There's a good veteran that's motivated still. Could mean mountain, you know, could be unbelievable success for you. Look at Andrew Whitworth. Whitworth was a great player for the Bengals. They run him out of town, and how much has he brought in Sullivan yeah. to the Rams? I mean, great players tilt the field for you, and even if they don't have the, all the accolades and all these great players, all these decent player, but he's old. But those decent old players have knowledge, and knowledge is power in the NFL, and that's what that's what the Patriots are. 
Guys, I really enjoyed it, good and girl. good luck to you. Okay, time to check the latest odds now with our friends at redzone.bet. Delighted to have Warren on the line. Was a uh, getting hyped ahead of the big game on Sunday? Yeah, I am. I'm not sure if I'm speaking to Will or, or, or Barry White there, but yes, um, <laughs> I, I uh, very much looking forward to the game. Um, obviously, very envious of you guys who are out there covering it live, but uh, I'm, I'm, we're, we're going to have some fun at our own little sort of red zone get-together watching the game. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's the best time of the year, isn't it? Yeah. It's the most wonderful time of the year, as was sung about, I think, Christmas or something. But it obviously was really meant to be about the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, for Christmas, yeah. Exactly. How are you uh, How are you feeling ahead of the big game at the weekend then? What's the... Because uh, everything seems to have kind of, well, maybe not gradually, but very quickly shifted over towards the Pats after a very early opening Rams favourite. Well, first of all, I'd like to sort of ring my own uh, my own bell. It's getting both championship games right for, for your listeners, if you were... Uh, if they decided to follow follow me, um, uh, yeah. The and and the... let me say, rightfully so, because I got both picks wrong. <laughs> well, yes, that's it. Yeah, I think the week before I was pretty disastrous, so let's move on from that. But um, uh, the uh, yeah, the, the line actually opened with the Rams uh, one point favourites, um, and uh, Steve Balmore, my business partner, who is as, as good as it gets. He, he disagreed with that and we were went pick them straight off. So I'm, I'm glad to say we're at the right side of the line move. Yep, a lot of money's come in for the Patriots, which has moved the price. Uh, and the line, on the money line, they're five to seven. The spread is 2.5. You can get that 2021 20, either side for us at the New England Patriots minus 2.5 or the Los Angeles Rams plus 2.5. And the over-under is 56 and a half. Um, Speaking to Steve, um, you know, people don't really want to know my views. They want to know what the expert thinks. Um, <laughs> he, he really likes the Pats. And, and when I say he really likes the Pats, he hates the Pats. So I always think whenever he picks the, makes the Pats a pick, uh, makes the Pats a pick, that's a, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? Um, you, you know he's doing it through gritted teeth. And it's almost worth an extra half a click on any selection he makes. But he, he thinks that the Rams are going to struggle against the uh, New England secondary, which is one of the most improved secondaries throughout the course of the season. Um, both teams have been slightly suspect against the run during the regular season, giving up, I think, an average of about five yards. That's got better during the, uh, the, the, the postseason uh, with three yards. But, um, uh, Gary, both teams are going to try and establish the run game early, uh, get control of the game, get control of the clock, keep each other's offence off of the field. But they're going to need, it's going to be need to be won this game on someone's arm. Uh, Jared Goff going against that uh, New England secondary, um, he's going to struggle. It's not the way he likes to play. Um, and Tom Brady, he's just annoyingly Tom Brady, isn't he? He, he will find a way, we think, to exploit the gaps. And, and even going up against the way Phillips' defence, um, Tom Brady's as good as having a coach on the field and he can make adjustments in a blink of an eye and um, we just can't see a way that he doesn't get this done if it's going against talent versus talent. Yeah, I think that's fair to say it's going talent versus talent, but we are talking about coaching versus coaching, experience versus experience. There's so many layers to get into with this, look, uh, is the uh, is the old million dollar game still on the uh, on the go? Because yeah, our, our, our just... competition is, is still going till you've got till uh, eight pm on Sunday UK time 
to get your five uh, answers in. It's it's free to enter. We're the only guys doing it. So, you know, all you need to do is open an account. Make sure you've got the right name and address on the account. Otherwise, um, when the insurance comes in to pay it, they, they, they will hold it back. So open an account with your right name and address. Answer who's going to win the Super Bowl, uh, the total points in the game, the first touchdown scorer, and the difficult ones, the two different ones, are passing yards of the two quarterbacks. Um, and the thing to bear in mind, quite often, you know, in, in any American football game, it's the uh, it's actually the losing quarterback that tends to get more yardage um, because they're uh, they're chasing the game at the end. So it, it's it's something to bear in mind. But um, get on, have a crack. It's it's a lot. You've got a lot better chance of winning this than you've got of winning the national lottery, and it doesn't cost you uh, two pounds to enter. So you know, I, I think it will just add a little bit of excitement to people people's nights. Uh, but but picking up on what you were saying before, Will. Um, one of the things that the clever boys in the office have been talking about, they think these coaching um, coaching teams match up very nicely. You know, um, uh, Sean McVay and, and uh, Bill Belichick, Wade Phillips. That's it. That's they're they're pretty evenly matched, despite the exper- the inexperience of Sean McVay. You sort of with Wade Phillips, you 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 weigh that up. The the interesting factor they think will be, as I said before, Tom Brady, the coach on the on on the field being able to make adjustments to Wade Phillips' adjustments, if that makes any sense. That makes absolute sense. Uh, brilliant stuff, Warren, as always. Full terms and conditions online at redzone.bet. It is over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. And Warren, we'll catch up later in the week. Brilliant. Enjoy the game, Will. Do we need to do it now? Do what have die. What have we decided I sound like? Somewhere between... The camp guy David, from David, Independence Day. <laughs> oh, I better call everyone. I better call my lawyer. No, not, not my lawyer. <laughs> right. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to The Grid Eye Show. Back tomorrow with another show, which will include the likes of Jay Ajayi, London Fletcher, uh, some other great stuff that we've done over the last few days. Uh, but keep getting in touch with us at Gridiron. Keep listening and watching the stuff we do and, and telling us how much you're enjoying it is there anything you want anything you want us to do anything you want to make us make Josh do to prat around in the fan experience how did he handle the uh, the, the did, he, did you win overall or did you just win the field goal people have to watch the video oh, he's such a pro he's such a pro all, all, I, all I will say is the eventual result is not an accurate re- re- reflection of what really happened huh okay Okay, you're saying because Josh edited the video, it might look a bit different to how it happened in real life. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you how or why, I'm just giving you the disclaimer. You're an utter disgrace. So we'll be back with another podcast tomorrow. Keep listening, keep getting in touch, keep enjoying. Thank you so much for listening. This has been... Ollie, any final thoughts? Sorry, I was asking Ollie Wilson. We should get Grimble on for an out. (laughs) Grimble, what are your final thoughts? Be good to people. (laughs) What did he say? He said be good to people. Great final thought. It's a great final thought.